0: Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips, and please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Maya Lewis and hearing more about her career journey. Maya was passionate about sport growing up and is in fact a triple international, having represented New Zealand in hockey and both outdoor and indoor cricket. She played 70 one-day internationals for the White Ferns and in 2006 was appointed a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to cricket. She was the first Māori woman to be inducted into Lords, the hallowed ground in London which is seen to be the home of cricket. Maya holds Bachelor of Education, specialising in physical education, health and te reo Māori, And worked as a teacher at Hutt Valley High School. More recently her work has continued to revolve around the world of sport. She's an experienced cricket coach and has coached the Blind Caps, the Auckland Hearts women's cricket team and last year was asked to coach the first ever New Zealand Māori secondary school girls cricket team. She's also been a board director for the Blind Sport Association and Northland Cricket. Alongside that she worked for a number of years for the Halberg Disability Sport Foundation looking to enhance the lives of physically disabled New Zealanders by enabling them to participate in sport and currently she's the Relationship Manager for College Sport Auckland. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her career journey today. Kia ora Maya and thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora and thank you
1: for having me and thank you for your introduction. It is just shows how much you pack into your
0: life, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. I think it's always funny for people to hear it back again and go, oh, that was me. I have done quite a lot over the time. (laughs) For the first question, I'd love to take you back a little bit and think back to when you were a child or a teenager. What career or careers did you think about or dream about?
1: Yeah, funnily enough, it was always around sports still, Um, even when I was young, I wanted to be like, probably, I didn't really aspire to be a professional sportswoman because we weren't, it wasn't an option in those days, now it is obviously for some sports, which is lucky, Um, but it was more around being a PE teacher, I think, and being a teacher or being a policewoman, that was another one, I think my mum was quite keen on that, So I went down the PE teaching path and did a Bachelor of Education, which was actually the first year at the College of Education in Christchurch, because I was a cricketer and and the only sort of PE degree was down in Dunedin, which wasn't strong in women's cricket. And I wanted to stay in Canterbury with um, where all the New Zealand players were, so... Um, and learn off them. So I I did the first year at the Christchurch College of Education, which was a uh, Bachelor of Education specialising in PE, a four-year degree, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, great. And what was it about... The idea of teaching that appealed to you? Uh, it's just really just getting out there and,
1: and being active with kids and and getting them to see how the holistic benefits really of being active and how it can benefit you in the classroom as well. Yeah, just really giving back.
0: I've always liked to give back to people, really. And I definitely can see those holistic benefits. I've got a very three three kids, three boys, and <laughs> particularly my middle son very active, and so I think PE is is one of the one of his favourite bits of the week. But makes a real difference in terms of just those broader skills around teamwork and managing Mm -hmm. if things don't go well you make a mistake or your team loses how do you cope with that
1: definitely around you know even sport does that playing sport keeps them off the streets for a start which is great and probably gets them off the all the technology that's around these days with screens as well that's it's a great leveler and it gets uh, people just active and moving obviously social benefits as well if you're in a team and you're accountable and it builds resilience so it's all those life skills that you need in everyday situations that's what sport does really that's what I believe.
0: Yeah absolutely it does and as you said at the time when you were playing at that kind of international level women's sport I'm guessing you were holding a job down at the same time Mm. as playing a high level sport how did you cope through that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I was lucky enough, obviously, I was working at Hutt Valley High School. So most schools, if you represented your country, you were allowed leave, uh, paid leave. So I got through that way. Training aspect, we didn't know any different, really. So we trained before work and then after work, we trained as well. And then we had games in the weekend. So it was just the norm, really, to fit it all in. Uh, but there's, you know, there's no, there's, I suppose it's a limited longevity to be able to do that, especially these days. It's great to see that women's cr- cricket, especially, has come a long way in terms of trying to uh, become professional. And there are a lot more athletes who are professional, but we're still trying to catch up with England and Australia as well. So come come big steps and uh, leaps and bounds in terms of being able to have professional careers for women. So it's a real pathway. It's not. It's an option. And same with Black Ferns as well, and with rugby and with The Seven and with netball as well you know women's sport football too is becoming a real pathway potentially for for women athletes which is a professional and they can have it as a career and a job so if they're good enough but it's only the top of you know it does it's not happening to everyone it's only really the cream of the crop. so you need to have the backing and the education behind you no matter what
0: yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm very so I sit on the board of Canterbury Cricket, so very well aware of kind of the, some of the challenges facing the the women in terms of how do they fit their broader lives around still being really passionate and training for their game, and as you say, that kind mm. of elite level absolutely paid enough to make it a day job, but for that pathway through, yeah, it's definitely not as strong as say England and, and Australia. And I was interested in my cricket, it's traditionally a white man's game, yeah. you know, historically, certainly, but often enough, even in the broader workplace, somebody's got to be the kind of a pioneer and the trailblazer in some ways. What was your experience of that?
1: Oh, look, I mean, I, you know, to be honest, I was brought up in a full Pākehā environment, so I sort of really didn't know any different until I went to varsity and started learning my culture because I wanted to know more about it. Mm. I think it's just breaking down barriers for women as well as for culture as well. you got likes of Ross Taylor and stuff in the men's now and Susie Bates and stuff. So there are Māori um, role models there within the teams, and I think people are just realising how much natural talent, not only Māori but Pacific Island, Athletes do have, and it's just trying to tap into that natural talent. You know, I certainly struggle myself with uh, concentrating for playing a test for four days, so I prefer the one day. And then the missed out on the 2020 format was just starting when I was finishing my career. But it's probably the style that and the style that people play these days probably suits the style that um, of the skills that those, um, you know, Mori can offer. So, you know, I think you know, there, there are opportunities, and it's just um, it's really about the skill level now and rather than what culture or even female, male, everyone should should be true
0: equality now. Yeah. It's starting to happen. It is. I like that. It's starting to happen and I like the optimism around it, which is great. And it does make a difference having some of those role models like yourself but others who coming through I think for if I think about growing up my dad was a cricket nut and we'd play cricket in the backyard and he would call me Anna Hadley because it it was that was what was it it was the men's cricketers that were known and I think wouldn't it be great particularly with the women's cricket world cup the rugby world cup you coming here wouldn't it be great if girls were growing up with being somebody bates or somebody divine, you know, so sort of we're those next load next, load. yeah, the next level of role models. And yeah. in terms of the the first few years of your kind of career, what were some of the highlights and also the challenges along the way?
1: I mean, I suppose for me it was like representing your country when I was playing for New Zealand, but also working at Hart Valley High School as a PE teacher. So I was doing both and able to pass on as a starting my coaching career as well to the next generation of Players who are coming through quite quite interested with female cricketers. When I was at Hart Valley High, so um, you know that's a challenge to fit all that in. But um, I think that I managed. To, I had really good time management because of that, um, because I wanted to try and fit everything in. And like I said, we didn't really know any different. We knew thought. You had to, if you wanted to do this, this is what you had to do to be an elite athlete is have a career as well as be able to train as well. That, they're probably the main things for me. Challenges, I suppose, with my career, I moved from working as a teacher into the, I suppose, regional sport organisation, Cricket Wellington, Auckland Cricket uh, Networks, and worked with young people who, or people in general who chose to be there, where I found, I suppose, in the, in the education um, sector, the NCA was just coming in and also I was working with young people who didn't necessarily even want to be there so you're sort of hitting your head against the brick wall a little bit so I found that a little bit challenging in the education sector Mm. yeah they're probably the main things
0: Mm. and then moving on in your career you've you've got more involved in the area of disability sports what was the interest in that for you?
1: Really, I just I wanted a bit of a change. I was working at Auckland Cricket and wanted a bit of a change, but still wanted to stay in sport. What attracted me was being able to help young disabled people get into sport, and but also a big range of sport, and also sport that I didn't have hardly anything, um, know anything about, like wheelchair basketball and botcher and playing goalball. I ended up playing in a goalball tournament, which is uh, you put blindfold on and lie down and stop the ball with your body when you're blindfolded, so it's pretty scary. But yeah, no, really, just a really cool experience and we managed to be able to run like a national water sports uh, program as well. We're getting accessibility and opportunities to water sports like surfing, disabled surfing and paddle boarding and waka'ama and disabled people onto beaches and stuff like that. So I was able to leave a bit of a legacy around, if you see beach chairs and beach mats around parts of New Zealand and chairs on paddle boards and that sort of stuff, that's, the stuff that I was able to achieve and leave a legacy so that I could help New Zealand is really just everyone be included.
0: And beaches are such a part of New Zealand. That is being such an island nation and actually being able mm. to, to have all the amazing sports that we can do on Water Accessible. What a, what a wonderful achievement
1: yeah I mean and for me it was just about the joy that you see on their faces of instead of watching from the side of the beach they're in amongst it and doing stuff with their families and everyone and that, to me that's what it should be all about everyone should be able to include and being able to have access to be able to do everything with in the if possible if they can so you know how do you break down those barriers so that's that's part of that job I really enjoyed um is working with the families and just seeing the joy that they had for their siblings or their kids being able to access what everyone else can.
0: And then more recently, you've moved to College Sport Auckland, which I guess is in some ways going a bit back to the schooling roots, but still obviously sport as well. What do you really enjoy about your current work?
1: Yeah, I'm a relationship manager. So, again, I'm in charge of about 12 different sports, which is great to have the variety. And again, those sports that I re- some of them I haven't really had much to deal with, for example, lacrosse and uh, tag football and yachting and stuff like that. The part I probably enjoy the most, well, there's two parts. One is dealing with our delivery partners. So, most of them are like, regional sports organisation or uh, national sports organisations like Tag Football New Zealand or Auckland Hockey, for example. Just working with them to deliver our events and competitions. So we're in partnership with them, so that's a cool part. And then for me, the best part is seeing the kids actually competing with doing the participating um, and, and enjoying the events and getting out there so running the one-day events or going out and seeing a competition in action is you know seeing the fruits of your labor in action is it's all about the secondary school kids having an opportunity to play sports so you know if they're happy doing that then we're doing our jobs
0: yeah no it's it's, it's good because I get lots of variety which is really cool Absolutely, and and I know you played a varied range of sports anyway yourself. But you're right; things like maybe yachting or tag football, or you know, a whole different range now that you're getting that exposure to. If you look back at your kind of career, most careers have their good bits and their tough bits, and their things that were maybe times that went better than others. What have been some of your toughest career challenges or moments? I think when.
1: I suppose you're the. I know for me, one and one of my the part of my career, the organization went in a, a different direction that I was mixed with my morals and values, I suppose, and didn't quite wasn't with my beliefs of where the, where the organization should head. So you have two choices there to either toe the line or get out, and I chose to get out. Um, But, you know, it's sort of if you like what you do but it goes against your morals and your beliefs, then that's a tricky one. That was difficult. I've had some coaching roles. Um, It's always challenging when you've had a – you have a series of losses and – and your players are losing a little bit of confidence and stuff like that. So that's always a challenge is how do you pick a team back up throughout a season? And that's in a, in a coaching sense, a couple of examples.
0: And it's the, the coaching one, it's not only how you pick the team back up, but it's also probably how you pick yourself back up through through that experience. Now, how did you cope through that and picking the team back up?
1: I think in any um, sport, you're going to go even if you're playing or you're coaching or whatever, you're going to go through troughs, and you've just got, got to keep it in perspective. So keep looking at the process rather than the outcome. I think if you, you know, if you're outcome focused, then you lose sight sometimes. Whereas if you focus on the process and how you're going about doing something, it, it may change as time goes on, or it may take a little longer, or the time frame may change, but. Yeah, I think you just also try and take the emotion out of it and just keep it in perspective. And I think that's a big thing for young people these days, especially with sport, is that sport's not the be-all and end-all. You know, and it's it's a part of your life, but it's not – it shouldn't – dominate and, yeah, dominate your life so that you don't have anything. If, if you have an injury one day and you're a professional sports person and your career's gone, what have you got to back yourself up? So, you know, you've got to be able to have that education behind you as well no matter you know how high higher level you go.
0: Mm. I think sport is one of those tough careers where you get out into it and recognise at the, the sort of professional level it does have a shelf life um, and as you say you're always looking at how long might that be, how do you manage the injuries and also what might come afterwards as well.
1: Indeed, yeah. Like I mean, your succession planning is uh, is very important, and you know, it's only you can't dwell on everything that you do. It's not the beginning or end, or you know, your your sporting career doesn't determine your life. It should be the other way around. So, that's a hard one because when you're younger, you just want to do everything, and you're full of energy and stuff. But as you grow older, you have it keep it a bit more in perspective. Yes, I
0: think age does that to us because it? it brings most things back into perspective a bit. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, that too. It's interesting for me, a lot of people talk about, um, when they talk about balance outside of work, for a lot of people that is sport, but in fact sport is your work. How do you find balance outside of your work?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, interesting one is a as a post, um, I suppose, elite athlete um, and not, you know, sort of doing something competitively and training, spending all my time training. So I suppose I went from, Being an athlete to coaching, which was probably just as (laughs) time-consuming, because you're still putting in those hours. Nowadays, I've actually started and got into a little bit of waka'ama just to do something for myself. I've got a big blended family, so that certainly takes a lot of my time. But I've been doing some other things, like in the last couple of years, been doing some radio commentary, uh, cricket commentary, and still, it's a little bit of coaching, but on my own terms, really. So, yeah, I love sport. It's just inbred in me. So probably most things I do, I mean, I play the guitar a little bit and have a muck around and stuff like that, but it's either family and or
0: sport. And I like the fact that you've actually perhaps discovered some new sports as well in terms of the waka'ama. But yes, absolutely, the, the family and trying to balance that all up is, is not easy either.
1: Yeah, and I'm lot, lot watching a lot of sport, you know, as well, so kids' sport too, so, you know, it get, keeps you involved in stuff. So you know, I think it's just important, like, as an elite athlete, that competitive spirit doesn't just go away, so it, it is still there, but uh, the mind's willing, but the body's not so much, and that's probably the, that's probably the most frustrating <laughs> thing, but you still want to get out there and do something. I do a lot more walking and walking the dog these days as well.
0: Less competitive, probably, depending on the speed of your dog, probably. From that kind of elite athlete level, I I only played sport as a kid. certainly, no great shakes. But if you look for yourself, that elite athlete level, what lessons or skills did you take or have you been able to take then into your later career?
1: I think for me, it's the skills around relationships and communication. All the sports that I've played have been team sports. So it's not just relying on myself, you know, for success, it's relying on everyone else around you and having a common goal. They're real life lessons for me is, I suppose, just the skills around um, life balance. So making sure that, say, work's not dominating your what overpowering your life and vice versa you're having that balance you're having time for yourself and just the whole holistic side of things Mm. is really important but again that balance shifts as your age shifts so in your stage of life so you've got to keep moving that balance continually I think to be able to make sure that you do have that balance right.
0: Yeah absolutely and looking back what might you do differently
1: in your career? I've always
0: tried to most
1: of the time it's I've always worked or been in terms of the underdog or pro um advocating for women's sport or you know disabled sport or you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe just to try and keep being more outspoken around um, true equality around those sorts of things. I think I've become uh, more confident to do that as I've got older. But I suppose they weren't so prominent as when I was younger.
0: Yeah, and I think the more people that can that can share their voices and experiences in some of that space, and you'll be speaking from your own experience, I think the better. So I look forward to hearing more from you, potentially, on there in that area. We've uh, talked. We've talked a bit about some of your challenges and some of those tough times. What about, if you look back, what are some of the proudest moments in your career? Yeah, obviously I can't say
1: um, playing a representing New Zealand was a career because we weren't paid to play. Uh, we did end up having prize money. We didn't have to pay for anything, which is great, but not like these days. Uh, the Sophie Devines and stuff, they were able to have a full-time professional career, which is great. But, yeah, I think just... The ability to be able to be immersed amongst sports people all the time in all my careers. And a sport is sport, really. And so to be, uh, even in offices that I'm at the moment, the, in Sports Central, we've got Sport New Zealand and we've got Active and New Zealand water polo and Hockey New Zealand upstairs. So it's all like-minded people. You know, it's, I've, that, that aspect I really enjoy being around like-minded people who, you know, have a common goal in terms of trying to, you know, get people or their target audience active and into sports. So those sorts of things.
0: Mm. And equally, it's absolutely fine to talk about cricket. If there are some proud moments, I know you talked about that. or maybe it wasn't paid, so is it a career? Gosh, sure. uh, I'd still consider taking care of my kids to be work sometimes. And unfortunately, nobody pays me for that. Are there any proud cricketing moments that, uh, that you look back on?
1: Definitely. Obviously, representing New Zealand um, at three World Cups. Uh, very proud of that. What I am disappointed about was that I was never part of the one that they won here in 2000. I was injured. Uh. So... I was either side, so that's always been a, a something that I was like an unfinished business for me. But there's not, not much I can do about that. Yeah, in my cricketing career, not just as a player but as a coach, I was trying and want to. Le- I've left a couple of legacies. I suppose I helped start some more women's cricket. I was their first ever coach mm. as part of the relationship with Auckland Cricket. So that was great. And then I helped the they call the Blind Caps New Zealand blind cricket team get back onto the world stage after ten years of not competing. So we went, I took them to a World Cup in India, so and I was the only uh, fully sighted person in a squad of 17 in India. That was huge challenges within itself and an experience I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What did you learn from that? Oh, that
1: we're, we were a whole lot of amateurs playing against teams that were professionals in the Pakistan, India and those uh, fully, uh, the blind cricketers are paid professionals as well, and they had a lot of them. Like England, had big entourage of support staff. We had a manager and a coach. Uh, even our manager was uh, partially partially sighted. Um, whereas a lot of them had specialist coaches, physio, fitness trainer. Mm. So it was pretty mismatched. <laughs> but it's good to start again and give these these people a chance and get New Zealand back on onto the world stage. Yeah, look, I, I learned a lot. I, I knew a lot before I went, but it was massive challenges being a female over there, coach, over there as well. The hierarchy of males and females is quite different over there. So that had issues and challenges within itself for me to be able to be, able to be heard. Mm. But I certainly
0: put my voice forward as much as I could. (laughs) You talked a little bit there, Maya, about some of your experiences as a woman. Have there been any other times when you felt particularly kind of some obstacles or barriers as a woman in your career?
1: Oh, look, I think it's further trying to give make sure that there's equality in sport for women. and I've always been pushing that. Whichever sporting organisation I was at, if the boys or the males are doing this, then the females should be doing it too. That's always been my motto and but you, you have to have someone who's continually pushing that because it's not just naturally thought of it's not natural at the moment it hasn't got to that stage I think in Australia in sport and you can see whatever happens with males females get the same so you know it's happening over there but we've still got a way to go within New Zealand for that sort of stuff and another I suppose another example of challenges of being a woman and trying to go for career jobs within sport I know with my credentials if you took the name out and this and um, whether you're male or female and just put my credentials down then I would be looking good if I had a male's name next to me um, on that piece of paper
0: Mm.
1: but because my credentials look great but when it's a female then it doesn't it's just I've missed out on interviews because of that, because I'm, I'm not a male. But it's just you just you've just got to keep trying to push the barrow all the time if that's what if that's what you really want to do mm. and get, get that true equality. I'm doing that on a regular basis with cricket pitches. I'm coaching a club team and stuff and saying if the men have the number one, then the woman should have an opportunity too. That sort of stuff. So even at the base level, I'm doing that right through to the national level.
0: Mm. And it's in many ways it's heartening to see how much progress there's been. If you look back fifty years, for example, mm. at the same time, absolutely, there's still all those little decisions and and things we feel oh, things could be different, and there's still some progress to be made. Yeah. Where do you see your career heading now in the future, Maya? Oh, I'd love like to retire.
1: <laughs> no, <Yeah? laughs> look, I think I'll always be forever involved in sport. Not maybe more, you know, at, at the management type. Level, even t- I'd love to run my own business, whatever that looks like, as well. Yeah, and then I'd just like to retire near the
0: beach. That sounds nice. I think that's many New Zealanders' dream, isn't it? Yeah. And what career advice would you have for for others? Look, I
1: think um, especially for females, and and I've heard this time and time again, like through some of my male colleagues, and they just put themselves out there in jobs, and they're so much better at talking ourselves up, themselves up. Even if they don't have the credentials, they're able to talk themselves up. I suppose it's fake it to make it in some ways, whereas females will go, Oh, no, we don't have that skill. So I better not apply for that job. So we just need to rate ourselves a bit more, I think, I would say, and give it a crack. If you're not in, then you don't know. So you've got to give, and you've just got to keep pushing the barrow. That's what I would say. Mm,
0: great advice. Yeah, really great advice. I was having a similar conversation with a friend this morning, actually. So, yeah, very. Timely and really resonates with me. Myla, thank you so much for sharing the, the journey of your career. And it's been such a varied one. And uh, obviously, with that kind of common thread of sport and relationships that has flown throughout, but at the same time, so many different roles within that. So thank you. Really appreciate you sharing it. No worries. Thanks for the time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.